So in one minute or less, and explain it to me like I'm five, what does Banker do? Banker simply teaches kids about money. So we prepare the next generation so that they can navigate our financial worlds and everything that we have to do within the financial world really successfully in a way that aligns with their financial well-being. Well, how did you decide that was what you were going to do? By accident. My little brother was learning about money at school. I was a failed accountant, just retrained in software, and he blew me away one evening when he was talking about progressive tax systems, investment strategies, um, and employment structures as a 12-year-old kid. And I knew from that moment that his financial trajectory had changed, and that sort of formed the question in my mind, what if every 12-year-old had this opportunity to learn about money? And that was really the start of all the magic. Uh, how did you take it from that? What was the first step? Because every single person who I talk to through business says, mm. oh, I don't know how to get started. It's a great idea, but I literally don't know what to do. What yeah. The first, the, the first step is the hardest. The first step was asking more questions. That's something I can do. Um, I went and met with my brother's teacher to know about how he was educating my brother and how he had engaged my brother so much and so effectively. And I heard his story and that got me clarity on that next step, which was to go away and to build something that would help them, specifically just their classroom. And I built that in a weekend with some friends, a fake online bank. So the teacher didn't have to do all the processing of transactions manually. Um, and that then gave way to the next step. So I really had a short line of sight to start with, but I just kept taking the steps most importantly. Yeah, it's taking that first step and kind of builds confidence for your next step and your next step and your next step, right? Mm, totally. Do you have a big, hairy, audacious goal? A BHAG? Hate, hate. Yeah, I hate BHAG too. <laughs> yeah. I like the sentiment of it, but I can't yeah, get behind so that acronym. Yeah. <laughs> we, we do. We have um, really bold aspirations. We would love to financially educate the world. So, you know, just putting it out there. We think we can do it one step at a time. I think you can do it. Because you've got to start with kids, right? Because they teach parents. I, I find I teach my parents all sorts of things. Whether totally. And or not, I don't know. <laughs> well, I mean, that's a whole other podcast, I think. Um, but then it also becomes intergenerational, right? We had this knowledge loss, but if we can recapture it and we can treasure it, um, then one of my hypotheses is that we don't have to be here forever um, and everyone will have that individual responsibility to keep this knowledge alive. You have a really purpose-driven organisation and you've grown fast, right? How do you get people on board with that without just writing it on the wall? I laugh because we also do have it on the wall. (laughs) 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 Got to come at it from all angles. I think it starts with um, hiring, doesn't it? So making sure you're really clear on your expectations and understanding of who these people are sitting in front of you in your interviews um, and you're communicating that we have an organisational expectation that people come on this journey knowing their aspirations. We're like eight years old. We're still a team under 20 people um, and we serve two, two geographies, New Zealand and Australia. So we have had the pleasure of being able to protect that a little bit. A couple of ways we try and bring that to life once once we feel we've hired effectively and we don't always get it right, but that's a process you can con- continue to um refine it does come down to values and i agree with you you don't have to you know have a lobotomy and we put in the banker brain when you come in um, to our organization you bring yourself but we have really clear company values and we also 
try and bring them to life. I need to bring them to life myself through my leadership. And that's every single action that I take or don't take equally so. And also we socialize talking about our values. So once a week in a semi-informal environment, everyone in the company references a value they saw demonstrated. The last thing, well, not the last thing we do, but the last thing I'll talk about doing is keeping people close to purpose. So every single team member of ours goes into a bank of school regularly. Um, and that is so they can see exactly what they're doing and the impact it has. If you're a software developer crunching code, like code is code. In purpose. Yeah. 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 So when they are then... Schools is amazing. Honestly, and when they're running around talking about mortgages with 10-year-olds and their credit scores, the penny drops. And from that day on, every line of code is a bit more meaningful. What are some things, if you are trying to build a business, how do you create a business genuinely around a purpose? Or if you're trying to retrofit into a company, what are some things people should avoid? Yeah, I get really frustrated about the popular... Well, no, I shouldn't be cynical about it. Um, the rise of impact businesses is fantastic so long as it's done authentically and with purpose. So um, that is something tricky to get right. Me personally, my purpose has to be equally weighted towards personal and business. So I need to, as a leader, inherently, innately care about this thing. And if I don't have that, then I don't believe I'm the right person to steer the ship. So you've got to care about the thing you're doing. Um, secondly, if you can... If your purpose can be innate to your production, so doing good is baked into selling more of your widgets or your licenses or whatever, that is the best way you can align intentional purpose. Um, if you have to bolt it on, that's okay, but you need to tell a really clear narrative around that and don't try and be something you're not. Um, and there are organizations that also do a fantastic job of that. I've also really benefited from, I'm a procedural person, so having a robust framework of what good means. I've got my own personal take on that, but the likes of B Corp that have a really clear regimented process and assessment against what good means, and whether that you score highly or um, you know, not as great as you'd like to, it gives you a reference point of where you are today and how you can be better. Talking about your impact and the outsized impact I believe you've had as an organisation, how do you measure it? We measure it in, yeah, so, so B Corp, but we measure it in three key ways. The first is improvement or change. I'm not going to assume we're always going to improve a student's outcome in financial literacy. So that's really easy. It's knowledge-based. We're a data-driven platform, so we can assess students' knowledge improvements over time in our platform. The second is financial capability. So what is the difference between financial literacy and capability? Well, literacy is about knowledge accumulation, Capabilities about behavioral development. And again, being a technology platform, we can see when a student clicks to open a bank account that aligns with their well-being versus takes out that credit card and spins up a ton of debt um, through consumerism on our platform. So we're looking for capability development that enhances well-being. And lastly, the last component for impact for us is financial confidence. Because you can have all the knowledge in the world, but you can think, oh, I don't think investing is for me. Um, and we really need to build that confidence as well. So that's a qualitative assessment, which speaks about students' intentions for the real world. God, I wish you were around uh, when I was at school, honestly. I hey, look, I think you're doing all right. <laughs> Imagine what you could be. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's, I mean, I, left, I went to university and immediately mm. I got three student overdrafts. But <sighs> yeah. So dumb. I graduated... Uh, with its $68,000 student loan. 
because mm-hmm. I used the amount they'd lend you to live on. I have this conversation regularly with some people I really admire, people who run multi, multi-million dollar companies, and they all reference that time at uni when, to some extent, there was predatory behavior towards someone fresh to the financial world, and they got that overdraft, they got that credit card, they got that whatever it may be, and they carried it, and it had a material impact on their next five or so years. So if we can if we can curate a generation of little empowered, um, capable, confident, literate consumers who know their rights and responsibilities, I just think that's a tra- transformative state. Personal finances is personal, and we've all got our story of how we got here. And dollars, to some extent, I know money, do- money doesn't buy happiness, money isn't the be-all and end-all, but it got us to where we are. And we've all had stories that are shit, absolutely, we just were in a horrible situation due to financial consequences. And we've all had stories of empowerment through money. So I think this is something, the, the reason I, I love talking about this is it resonates with everyone because we've all had that personal journey. How do mm. you break it down and get it across to people? What we're trying to do, the impact we've had, how it can help you. How do you break it down into consumable bite-sized pieces if you like? I think you meet them where they are. So it really depends on who you're talking to. If we're talking to kids, obviously, we simplify a narrative to some extent, but actually they're equally as capable as adults in many ways. Um, and we really just try and focus on the problem we're solving for people. And people know the pain of not having financial literacy. People want more for the next generation. So sometimes it's actually not messaging for them because that's a bit close to home. It's messaging for their loved ones. Um, but really the first thing is to know who you're talking to and speak in their language in a way that's accessible. Because you can get, we're really close to what we do and we can get caught up in features and technical buzzwords and um, outputs when really we're solving a problem. And we might be solving a problem for a teacher around behavioral management actually. So the secondary, the byproduct is some awesome financial literacy. So we need to be able to ensure that we understand that that is the pain we're solving for them. For a parent, we may be solving the problem of comfortable retirement for their kid because they don't have the confidence that they can provide that Um, there's so many different problems we're solving so understanding the people we're talking to and and sort of almost speaking that back to them is is um the most effective way that i've found the big question definitely one i get a lot how have you funded banker i love talking about this question and you know what i definitely won't have received this question as much as you we bootstrapped for the first seven years so we just earned, earned money and spent money. That's how we funded Banker. We earned more than we spent, which is, I think, fantastic in terms of what we do because, you know, we're really practicing what we preach. Point. Yeah. yeah. Um, until last year, we ruined it and we got a little bit of capital <laughs> to grow. <laughs> but that's because we, um, we really feel we understand the market. We really feel we understand the opportunity. We understand our numbers and we know where we can pour money to have a greater, imp- a disproportionate impact faster. And the key part of that is the speed at which we want to move at now. It is such a shame that it's almost like a measure of success now is how much money you've raised. Yeah. Asked, people ask me all the time, and what we've raised is comparatively little in comparison to our American counterparts. And you do see a little level of respect gained when people raise these 50 million, 100 million, whatever. And look, if your business needs to do that, fabulous. It's, it's, mm. That's what you need. But I have so much respect entrepreneurs who have bootstrapped the whole way through and my example i always use is um sarah blakely from spanx 
she grew a billion dollar company and owned almost all of it apart from the stuff she gave to her team and it's not only about control and ownership it's actually about fucking having having to figure this thing out like having to figure out how we can serve our market in a way that demonstrates value to them in which they will part with their pennies and without needing really needing that money i don't know if you need to solve that problem in this the same way we did not have to water down our values um and i'm i think it really shows in who we ended up with on our cap table so majority is maori ownership um which i'm stoked with um so it's not only values alignment it's actually horizon alignment some long-term thinking which given the problem we're solving um that's really necessary we're not going to be a billion dollar company in two years time which some some investors asked me about my strategy to get there i learned a lot about our organization that i didn't know so i probably naively didn't realize what an outlier we were in terms of the way in which we carry profit alongside purpose and the fact that hey that's not for everyone but we just need to find the people who 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 do resonate with that you are so unusual and it's really refreshing because all I ever hear, and I'm not saying this is the wrong thing to do, but all I hear from entrepreneurs is, oh, I want to be, I'm going to grow as fast as possible because that's how we have as much impact. And, and I subscribe to that notion, right? I want to save half a billion plastic bottles, so I want to grow as fast as possible. Mm. But your attitude about purpose at all costs and everything else is irrelevant. Simplifying is niche. It's so <laughs> genuinely refreshing. Thank you. That's very oh, kind. I, no, I feel like... I get a little imposter imposter syndrome when you say that because I'm imperfect in terms of my pursuit of purpose. That's for sure. Um, but I've got some some things I have real clarity on, and um, I think I yeah I've got some personality quirks that means I'll be quite unwavering around those things. How many times do you get called unreasonable? Uh, yeah, <laughs> daily. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. People less so now because they realise it doesn't work. But I got called unreasonable all the time by a lot of people in the startup world. That's an indicator that you're onto the right thing, right? See, I'm quite perverse in my thinking. I'm like, oh, that's good. I don't really I don't think respect good. you. No, I don't really respect you or we don't have the same values base. So if you're saying that I'm on the right track. You've taken Banker into Australia. Mm, yeah. How did you approach export, which you're effectively doing? Yeah, again, I don't want to say it was an accident. It wasn't, but we didn't have the big grand strategy or plan that perhaps with the capability and experience I have, I might put in place now, still say might. Um, it was really relational based. So we um, met an organization over there that wanted to support our launch through partnership. And we worked with them for the first three years to establish that. And they've been fundamental and foundational to our growth and impact over there. And most recently we launched our secondary product over there on our own, um, which having that brand familiarity and understanding of the market really bolstered that launch do you have team members of it no we believe in building local so we service australia from aotearoa from ototahi do you think there's any pitfalls to that i think there's trade-offs i'm not going to call them pit go as far as calling them pitfalls i think that the trade-off is there's um i guess we're not as close regularly to our market so we go into schools quite a lot here in new zealand physically face to face to um, whether it's to discuss some upcoming product work or whether it's you know from a sales or marketing perspective um, we have to be more intentional around that in australia and we have to be mindful that we're not just building for new zealand because it's easier to do so from a geography 
geographical perspective, but Australia's a big place. So even if we had two team members sitting in Sydney, we want to service nationally. It's kind of the same thing. The other consideration we weighed up was the carbon consequence and through some slightly reductive modelling, we also thought given the size of the nation, um, we can it, it comes out sort of net, net nil. But, but really, um, New Zealand, Australia, it's same, same. Maybe we have to reconsider our perspective when we push further afield. But for now, I think the small trade-offs are worth it. What is the number one tip you have for someone who wants to build a mission in business? That's really easy. Oh, good. You need, to be, you need to be obsessed with it. Find something you're obsessed with that if you don't do this, no one else can or no one else can do it in quite the same way. And you are going to sit back in your rocking chair at the end of the day and be so proud of the time because that's our most scarce resource resource that you put into this. Think about the people we serve and how we can get there faster. And a result of like if 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 you're a mission led business, then ultimately you want to create your impact in the world. And ultimately the sooner you can arrive at that destination in a healthy mannerism, the better. So I guess our capital raise speaks to that, but it took us seven years to get to that point. So if there's one one thing that someone could go away and do today is ask themselves, how can we have an impact faster? If you were Supreme World Leader, what is the very first thing you would do? I would mandate learning about money in schools. So no student would leave the school gates. I believe financial education, financial literacy is a human right. Um, I can't believe we can enter the financial world with billions of dollars being poured into marketing, sometimes in misleading ways, of financial products and services. So I would mandate the fact that every student had to learn about money. They couldn't leave the school gates unless they were literate, capable and confident in a way that would drive financial success and financial well-being, whatever that means to that student. Imagine the difference that would make.